it's not empowering to live on your own when you're a mom in the phase of needing to be mothered while you're figuring out mothering. You're not crazy. We're here for you. There's resources at your fingertip and that creates magic. That creates movement. Hey everyone, this is Helene from Coming From The Heart Podcast, an inspirational and motivational podcast about mental health, mindfulness, speaking your truth, and never feeling alone. I'm super excited to be speaking to Dina T. And Dina and I are gonna be talking about maternal mental health. Yes, so excited to be talking about this really interesting topic. And Dina, there you are. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm honored to have you share my space right now on Coming From The Heart. I love your platform. You are so cute. I love your posts. So Dina, like my world from Coming From The Heart, I find the coolest community on Instagram. And that's how we met. And like I said, I loved your platform. I love the fact, I love your one world empowers. And I believe that we need you, Dina, to empower a lot of people here. You know, because clearly our world is not in the greatest shape with mental health and a lot of other stuff going on. So let's dive right into this, Dina. You can tell my community a little bit about your brand. Of course, One World Empowered, Empowered to Heal, the why and the how of Dina. Take it away and just give us a little bit of info about you. Yes, yeah. So One World Empowered came from many dreams of mine of just working with marginalized populations and communities and okay. wanting to support them in finding the power within themselves to heal. And so I started a podcast called the Empower to Heal podcast and from that, it led into a coaching business and supporting people in their journeys through trauma and in motherhood, because wow. my own kind of postpartum motherhood journey was a rough one. And that was my first personal experience mm. with just mental illness and struggling significantly with postpartum anxiety and thoughts. And so that journey, when I was ready to talk about that and share that, I realized so many other moms out there and partners were experiencing similar things. And we just don't talk about it. Maternal mental health isn't talked about enough. And the vulnerability of talking about it in the postpartum is real because you feel like you're risking your baby if you tell people what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. And that's why I what it do is to really okay. spread awareness and support people in difficult seasons of their life. And right now I'm focusing on mamas. I love that. Well, first of all, congratulations on all the hard work you've done. And thank, thank you for being so vulnerable with your personal story and sharing. Because when I saw that you posted maternal mental health, the first thing that I thought about clearly was postpartum. When I was going through my pregnancies, I did not have postpartum. I knew friends that had postpartum. But at that time, my daughter is 24, my son's 19. It was never spoken of at all. And we're going to focus on maternal mental health, but also anyone going through trauma. And when you go through trauma, you need to proceed with caution with people and how you speak to them and how you approach conversations. And I think based on some of my experiences that sometimes certain counseling situations may not be the best with mm -hmm. it. So that's why I just want to put that out there. 
But back to the focus of what we're going to talk about, maternal mental health. When I think about maternal mental health, like I said, I gave the age of my kids, 24, 19. I also think about where I am in my life right now with, an, with older children and dealing with my mental health as a mom mm -hmm. and relating to my older children. So I think I just want to put it out there as well, is that maternal mental health is not specifically just, I mean, we're going to focus on postpartum and different entities, but we're also going to talk about the spectrum. And I took myself some notes because I'm a teacher by heart, that <laughs> the reflection, it could be where anyone is in their life right now. Dealing with mental health and how you interface and take care of yourself is so greatly important, how you're able to take care of your children at any age, setting boundaries that they can intervene as older children and dealing with your personal mental health. So let's go back and let's start from the beginning because you mentioned your narrative of having postpartum. And when I think of postpartum, I think of a very good friend of mine and I think of isolation, no information. And again, this is 20 some years ago, but kind of from what I've been hearing from other young women, I don't think that much has changed in when you are pregnant and when you are going through your genetic counseling and your testing that I don't think that it's really addressed. You're right. It's not addressed. So in this day and age, so my son, he's now six years old. When I was pregnant with him, nobody talked about the postpartum season or experiences you may have. And I was a practicing clinician at the time working in the mental health Field with a master's degree and a lot of experience and it's not discussed it's not focused on as a normal training when you're going to school for counseling and to provide therapy it's kind of it's only a little sub group and then when you have your baby the screening for it is very minimal. and so sometimes pediatricians can screen if they feel appropriate but oftentimes it's just at your six-week follow-up visit with your doctor that's the one and only visit you have after you have a baby right. um, after right. that back to your annual exams mm -hmm. and so it's a quick conversation the education isn't really there the information around what are all the different types of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders that you can have because most people think of baby blues or postpartum depression uh. but the reality is, is there's so much more and ton of moms experience postpartum anxiety or what we call intrusive thoughts where these thoughts just kind of they're, they're intrusive they come in and they interrupt your day and they can be obsessive and compulsive postpartum OCD is huge. Wow. Um, wow. There's a bunch of different facets of it that's not talked about. Mm -hmm. I don't think mom's experiences with it have changed. We've always had these types of experiences. I think that we're entering in a day and age where talking about mental health is becoming more accessible and we're forcing it to be discussed so that we can break that barrier. Wow. Yeah. It's so interesting because here you are excessively educated, have your master's, you're in the field of mental health, and yet you couldn't even have a reference point to even support how you were personally feeling at that time. Yeah. And again, having that one checkup or whatever it is, I mean, if you have the baby, is it, honestly, it's a joke because mm -hmm. the medical field, because they're inundated with so much other stuff, whether it's illness, you know, whatever it is, and mental health is an illness, is not 
addressed at all. I mean, I remember having a conversation just recently with my aunt. She's in her 80s, and she was telling me about my grandma, who clearly had all these things that you just mentioned happen when she had a third child and was just, oh, yes, there's something really wrong with her and disturbed. I really think that because of how she delivered the baby and all the things that went on, was suffered from so much of what you're talking about. So I just wanted to put that out there that yes, it has been happening for for years, for decades and decades, but never had a light shined on it. Why? Yeah. Why? What do you think? A lot of things. I think fear and the taboo nature of discussing maternal mental health is huge. You are in the most vulnerable state of your entire life. And to go through that state and open up to a stranger because we don't have consistent screenings and discussions around this. We don't have a relationship with somebody to tell them, hey, I'm visually seeing my child die in my brain 50 times a day. Like, you don't, telling somebody that is like, you have to feel safe with them. You yes. have to know them. You have to have a relationship. Yes. You have to know who the right person is to tell. Do I tell the person who's checking out my vagina or do I, like, do I, do I tell somebody else? Do I tell the person who's checking out my kid? I yeah, know. I know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. And it, as we're even speaking, there were so many conversations I've had with people in the last two years in regards to this, maybe not as specific as what we're talking about now, where someone did, you know, take their child's life because of having some type of uh, anxiety or, or postpartum situation. And it has to really be discussed. The conversations, I'm sure, I mean, I wanna hear your, your spit on this. Maybe even before you're getting pregnant, let's not even get pregnant yet. Let's sit down with the doctor and have that open discussion then. Because we all know when you're pregnant and the hormones are all over the place and stuff like that, it would be nice to have education, knowledge. And I think that's just truly what it is. And I also want to just put it out there because I've taught in my life international students from all different cultures. Forget about it. In most cultures, not, not discussed. I'm, just, I'm referencing, I'm, I'm really blanking all cultures here. So I'm going to focus in students I had from India, students I had from China, students I had from South America, where no way. It's a, as you said, it's the taboo subject. Mm -hmm. And the way our healthcare is right now, we all know the shit show of most healthcare plans. They don't want to inundate themselves with one more aspect of, gosh, having to talk about that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion in the medical field around who's responsible for having these conversations and at what points they should be discussed. But I can tell you that the people who are being trained in perinatal mental health are being informed. You should be having these discussions when you're talking about pregnancy planning. You should be having these discussions at every stage of your pregnancy. You should be screening during pregnancy so that you can have insight onto how the mom is feeling while they're pregnant. You can review the risk factors. You can discuss the protective factors and then postpartum. We need regular checkups between the child's pediatrician, which you're going to the pediatrician a lot once you have a baby, and between your own OBGYN, there, is, there needs to be a shared responsibility there because PMADs, they, so I call them PMADs, that's what we call them, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. They don't just pop up right when you have your baby. You can start getting that, experiencing them three months 
like a baby, right? So that any time in the first year of life after childbirth, mm -hmm. you can start experiencing. And so there's yeah, built-in like appointments we already have with our baby ourselves that we can work these evaluations into and build rapport so that we feel safe talking about it. No, absolutely. And I think the first step is just to be able to feel the trust factor. I mean, I'm, you know, really going back in my mind, thinking about my experiences with my own two children. And what I, as an aside, recall is the fact that I, you know, nursed my kids, but that was a thing. Oh, let's talk about lactation. Let's talk about breastfeeding. Let's talk about that. And even with that, not even in conjunction with feeling postpartum, maybe some women have these uh, suicidal thoughts or all this as when they're nursing or when they're mm -hmm. you know lactation and hormones mm -hmm. from my own personal experience i mean i remember it's just i almost felt the hormones pouring through my body no i did not have postpartum but i definitely had other things that were happening yeah so baby blues is something that almost all of us experience and we experience it in the first two weeks after having our baby and it's called baby blues but it's not just feeling blue it's the like crash of hormones because you birth your baby you birth that placenta that has all of those extra hormones that you've gathered during to grow your baby it's all come out of you with your baby and it's a crash down and so you feel it in those first oh, yeah. years. Crazy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and if that's after two weeks, that's when we can start talking about like, what do we do? Right. Cause yeah. I'll yeah. tell you as a therapist, as a clinician, when I went to my six week follow-up and they did the screening, it was a laminated piece of paper that you can check a box on. Nobody looked at it. They set it down. I lied on it because I, I knew, okay, you're going to offer me talk therapy or you're going to offer me prescriptions. And I don't yes. want psychiatric medication and I don't want talk therapy. I am a talk therapist. Like I know what it can do for me and what it can't do for me and I don't want it. And so I didn't feel yes. like anyone could help me. The traditional models of interventions weren't interesting mm. or enticing right. to me. So I had to start doing my own research. Like how am I gonna heal through this? Wow. By strengthening my own skills uh, and finding wow. that strength in that. Wow. Amazing. I want to go back to what you said. Okay, so I love the fact, I mean, you lied on the form, clearly, because <laughs> <we didn't> want, <laughs> that's something I would probably have done. I mean, talk therapy, that's a whole other discussion. I don't, I think there's positivity to talk therapy personally, yeah. I feel from my own experience. And what about a person who has had trauma, and then gets pregnant, mm -hmm. and then forget about it, they even need more support. So let's talk about you. What did you do? It started out with me going back to work honestly. So I went back to work as a director of an outpatient program, a mental health clinic. And I started working with some families with some really intense needs. And as I started designing the, the support plans and doing the support with these families, the interventions I was implementing with them started working for me. And so wow. I started researching that why is this working for me? Why is breath work practice working? Why are all these, and here's the key, all of them were trauma-informed interventions. And so, and they were okay. body-based interventions. They weren't talking. They were, how do we use our body to regulate our nervous system and slow ourselves down and tap back into ourselves? Because 
if you look at the diagnostic statistical manual, the majority of the diagnoses in there are a result of a dysregulated nervous system. Oh, and yeah. I would say postpartum experiences, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are also a result of a dysregulated nervous system. So you have to treat that. And I did through implementing the interventions with the families I supported, I started feeling better. So I crafted my own interventions for myself, which were very dedicated. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love this. Yes. My daughter and I talked about that. Your nervous system, how it so interconnects with everything that is going on throughout our body. And to be able to, like you said, to tap back in to being able to do breath work or whatever else mm -hmm. could definitively help anyone going through what we're talking about here is any type of postpartum situations. However, it's not like your doctor's telling you this stuff, mm -hmm. Dr. Bid. You have <laughs> to put it out there. You have this formula, if you want to say. I mean, of course you have your platform, but how do you really feel like you can really blast this out to so many people, women dealing with this? Yeah, great question. So. Ultimately, it's talking about it and being vulnerable to share my story. I've discovered, so if you go to talk therapy, you usually leave with homework assignments, right? And so you have things you're working on between the sessions. And a lot of the work happens between the sessions. You might have aha moments or be taught a skill or have like a breakthrough realization and a therapy appointment. But the implementation and the practice happens between the sessions. And so does the rest of your life. And so for me, it's how do you implement something into your daily routine in life that strengthens your nervous system and are active skills you can do to reach your goals instead of waiting for your next therapy appointment to feel better, right? Or to get something off your chest. And so that's why I've created something called the Mama's Club. Yes, I want to And it's a space, it's a small community right now. I would love to have it grow more. I've enjoyed it being a small community because we've built a group, a sisterhood really, of moms who have all been through or in postpartum season and who are trying to figure out healing their mental health. And we hold each other accountable and we support one another and we practice deep practices together on Zoom every single week wow. and through an wow. app that's built so that we can learn skills and have something to practice breath work on. And it's just, it's the in-between, right? It's like, still still go to therapy if that sounds right for you. Still seek out medication support if that sounds right for you. Uh -huh. Or support, or new, like I saw a functional medicine doctor and that helped. And the work in the in-between, have a community around you that's doing the same thing, that's building up their systems to be able to live that regulated, joy-filled, resilient life that we know we need and, yes. and yes. do with community because doing it by yourself is hard. Yes. And I believe, you know, just talking about the rate of suicide is so high in all communities of mental health mm -hmm. and specifically where people after having a child may not have the support or the income or the finances or the ability to know to go on social media. There's so many people that are just completely closed out. 
in isolation. And that's my goal, so that people never feel isolated, to put out content and media that people can attach to. Because there's so many people that clearly just would not even be able to even get to this conversation. And that really factors my perspective. It's the practitioners, mm -hmm. quite frankly, in that they are not giving information out that needs to be given out. They may not follow your exact platform if they can't find you, but to be able to know that there are resources out there and there's not just drugs to give. Take a Xanax or go take, you know, I'm not negating drugs because they would be used in certain circumstances of situations. However, I love what you're doing. I absolutely do. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. And I feel like I know for my friends at that time that went through stuff and, and so forth and so on. And I also just wanted to mention, I'm going to total segue and go in the opposite direction, because you're young, Dina, to when women are going through menopause and all the mm -hmm. other things that can't wait for that. <laughs> Hold on. That, that's, that's the opposite spectrum yes. of this. And what I'm trying to do is just kind of connect the two that lacking information. You go through this stuff, hopefully you get support, hopefully you find Dina and she will give you this information that you know on her platform. And then you go through your life, your kids grow up and so forth and so on. And, and, and people go through menopause at different points of their life earlier than some people really think. People can be going through menopause late 30s into the 40s, depending upon their cycle and all different medications and things that they've been through and the lack of information, yes. the lack of information for us in general. I feel like I could go off on a tangent here about that, but there's this, as women, right, and our experiences as women, living in a world that is not designed, our medical systems not designed around women's needs, right? Yeah. It's not, not designed around empowering and understanding our bodies and our yeah. functions and our cycles and our rhythms and I mean, I'm grateful for technology today because we don't have to rely on an archaic system. Yes. And our medical system, it does a beautiful job of reactively treating traumatic pains and stuff. But if you think of proactively, yes. education comes in proactively, yes. right? Education yes. is giving us the insight of what to expect and how to prepare ourselves matters. I actually just did my first prenatal workshop last weekend and I'm building it into my app. It'll be released next week, oh, but it's a postpartum plan workshop and it has the education and it has how to build the seven protective factors to support your mental health as you transition into the stage of having an infant. And if it's your first time or your eighth time, <laughs> um, yes. and a hard yes. copy of a plan that you fill out in this training in this workshop so that you can feel prepared because we got to we got to find a way to hit it preventatively and proactively we do we got to clone you Tina. <laughs> we got to we got to bring this to the administration you know with all the how should we say women not exactly being a priority let me just throw Roe versus Wade and all the other things that have now transpired where communities are where we need to go. And clearly that's what you're doing, empowering other women, spreading the word, supporting one another, because everyone as a female could have the potential of going through certain things. And without having education, as you mentioned, you, you don't know. So I was giving like the two spectrum, the prenatal, dealing with postpartum and then dealing with menopause and all the different entities that women go through. We need each other as a community to educate, to support and 
the problem, like I say, is there's so many people out there that don't have the ability to connect. That's the problem. Like we know our people who are connecting, hopefully, and then they can connect to other people and then it spreads. My concern is always the people that can't connect mm -hmm. and they don't have the resources to, to be able to do that. Or women in other countries who would have no connection to be able to even get to your platform for, for mm -hmm. various reasons because of the taboos of their culture mm -hmm. and all the other things that happen. I think a couple of things that you pointed out that I'd like to just touch on. Sure. One is if you haven't watched the new Netflix docuseries called Aftershock, I Not recommend, sure. I recommend okay. watching it. It talks about maternal mortality rates specifically with black women. And in America, our maternal mortality rates are super high. And the majority of deaths are after birth and in the postpartum season. A large portion of that related to suicide and perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And another large portion of that related to the lack of healthcare in taking different populations and cultures seriously, specifically wow. Black women who yeah. are dying at, I forget what the statistic was, it was like six times the rate of what after giving birth and all of the deaths are preventable they're yeah, preventable sure. and course. so it's a phenomenal a phenomenal documentary wow. that will just and open your yeah. eyes and I hope everyone watches it but it gives a sign to the rest of our country around where we're at yeah. in maternal mental health and pregnancy and I also wanted to talk a little bit about like other cultures I have a friend of mine who lives in the Philippines and she's a single mom and they live in a culture where family lives together in general uh -huh. families uh -huh. live together and mothering the mother post birth is normal and there's to me that's so fascinating because in America we idolize independence and living in single family households yes. which creates a divide in motherhood and in the ability to ask for help or feel safe in asking for help and it has an opposite effect on our mental health it's not empowering to live on your own when you're a mom in the phase of needing to be mothered while you're figuring out mothering yes just interesting i Thank you so much for bringing that up. And I agree with you because I've taught cultures, like if you students from India or students from China, where that is absolutely what happens. Parents or whoever will be with the baby, take care of the baby so that you can heal. And, you know, you just gave birth. And it's like in our culture, oh, no, no. It's like, just go do it. Go back to work in six weeks, six months, whatever it is. So like, can, no. What my, my point is, being silly, is that just resume the position, drop it and go. And bounce back, right? Bounce back. Oh, absolutely. Bounce oh, back. oh. Bounce back with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, right. You just birthed the child. Now resume your position, whatever that position might be. I mean, I think certain companies are a little bit more generous than others with time off and so forth for not even just the mom, but the parents and the father to be able to be part of the support. But I remember my mom really couldn't, she was working at the time and I had someone help me, uh, a nurse because I had had a C-section and whatever. And it was, it definitely was tough going in the very beginning. It was really, really tough going. You know, when I was thinking of your platform a little bit to reflect back on my own situation and that was 20 some odd years ago with that. And I feel that 
not much has really changed in the mental health aspect of what we're talking about. Not, re not really, not as much as you think it should. Mental health is ignored or has been ignored. And now we feel that, okay, maybe it's coming to more fruition. The light is being shined on it because so many people have experienced so much trauma in the two years plus of the pandemic that we should, oh, let's start thinking about it. Let's start talking about it more. And that really goes to all the different facets of life experiences and obviously pregnancy. What I also wanted to talk about, I mentioned Roe versus Wade and mm -hmm. all the things that obviously transpired with women in general, that also there's some great men out there, and I can't throw all the men out under the bus who completely support us women, that let's just say a young woman does get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then she can't get an abortion now because the state she lives in is, oh, let's just say it, red, okay. And she has to then go through this pregnancy. And let's just say she doesn't have the support. Oh my God, talk about messed up mental health. And gosh, she has to go through any of the things that we're mentioning today. Yeah, I mean, you just listed all the risk factors, right? all the risk factors that contribute to and point in the direction of perinatal movement disorders, a huge one being having an unwanted pregnancy. Absolutely. It's not just about bringing a baby into the world. When we birth a child, we birth the next version of ourselves. When we have a child, we enter into a mental state called matrescence, something oh. that is not taught in school. We all learn about puberty, but we need to learn about matrescence. It is the biggest developmental stage we will experience in our lives. And we go through synaptic pruning in our brain. Oh, I'll hear about this. Oh, you're interesting, Dina. Okay, we got. How do how do we spell this? Because I'm a teacher. I love this. Okay, how do we how do we spell on that? Synaptic. S Y N A P T I C. Synaptic pruning. P R U N I N G. So I'll relate it to when people say, "I have mom brain." Okay. Brain's not in your. It's not like made up. It's not just in your head. I mean, it's literally changes in the neural connections in your brain. And when you birth a baby, and this is also proven to happen when you take on a caregiver role as the primary caregiver, so not just okay. from birth. Okay. But your brain prunes what's called gray matter. Gray matter okay. can like parts of your memory, right? Your short-term memory of your like socialization like your ability to have small talk with somebody and just interact out and about it can impact your like function and your executive functioning skills wow. Wow. and you you prune that those dry up in your brain those neural connections dry up so that you can create new neural connections to keep your baby alive to pick up oh. on their and meet their needs and so we have wow. evolved to be able to do this and the largest restructuring of your brain that you've experienced since the age of five, right? When your brain, when you're born, your brain's not fully developed. Right. From to five, like 95% of your brain develops. And then you live your life and you enter into motherhood. This is the biggest literal like architectural change of your brain. Wow. And nobody tells us this. They all just make us feel crazy. I didn't even know this. My shit, Dana, 24 years later. Right. My teen. <laughs> now I know why I was like so screwed up. We couldn't yep. remember shit. And then, what <laughs> and then what happened with menopause, 
-hmm. you get all this weird other shit because <laughs> your body is now not in the position, we'll just leave it at that, to not have a pregnancy. Yeah. And everything sort of just dries out. I'm yeah. really explaining this great. And <laughs> then you get all this weird other shit besides hot flashes, these things that we just don't know. And all this other weird stuff happened. I went through vertigo two years ago and I'm thinking it may have had something to do with going through some type of menopause or perimenopause because your brain changes because the hormones change. You're not 20 something years old. You're different. Your body is different and your hormones rule you. That's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. I think what it is, and goes back to education, and I want to hear your, your spin. Education, if you know what to anticipate, you won't feel crazy. Yeah. And if you're educated from a space of empowerment versus fear, right? Yes. Like, I remember yes. being a little girl and going into the class and watching a video about getting your period and what it meant. And I was in a classroom with a bunch of little girls looking at a screen and they hand you a little kit of pads when you walk out. <laughs> I was like, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to bleed. Like to me, blood was scary. And it was such in like this like clinical fashion, not involving your support system or your family. Right, and if right. we introduce the whole idea of the female reproductive system and how we perceive the mood changes leading up to yes. a period. But we could influence every stage of our reproductive yes. evolution yes. Yes. all the way through menopause yes. and have oh, a yeah. shift on it that is empowering. Like I had a aha moment in a discussion this was probably two weeks ago. It was the week before my period and I was mad and I was mad at all of the stagnation around me. And every month, right before my period, anything that has felt stuck or just like not figure, like people need to figure things out or we got to get things moving that right. comes up inside of me. And I was talking to a coach of mine and she's like, Dina, you're preparing to shed not just your uterus's lining, but you're preparing to shed hormonally. You are building a cocktail to shed the shit that's stagnant and that's not bringing life into your life right now, right? That's right. Physically with my uterine lining and with everything else in the world. I'm like, why couldn't you have taught me that when I was in third grade? <laughs> Sitting at it, staring at this TV screen. I had to learn it at 33 years old. <laughs> what? Because we're not talking about it. And it's not talked in a way, giving humor or lightness to it and saying, you're not fucked up or mm -hmm. this is what's happening to your body. And mm -hmm. do you want to kill anyone around you because they're getting on you, excuse me, on your fucking nerves because you're going to get period. Or I swear now, not even that I had my period anymore because quite that went away a while ago. My daughter's with me and sometimes I feel like I'm picking up her shit. It, it affects me. It's just, you feel bitchy or you feel whatever, or mm -hmm. disconnected or whatever it is. And I, again, getting back to the why and the how of the hormones and getting back to the beginning of the conversation with why women go through postpartum because, because your body is designed to possibly go in that direction. Like I say, mm -hmm. I didn't personally experience that and I consider myself lucky in that aspect, but I definitely went through other changes that I didn't really 
No. And at my time, I'm dating myself, not exactly Google that I could go look it up, but even if I could look it up, I really wouldn't get a clear definition of what was going on unless I knew someone who was going through it. Yeah. Like, you know, the women's group back mm -hmm. in the day before, you know, all social media kind of stuff. So it's infuriating, quite frankly, to know that women have to go through so much stuff at all different stages. And I just wanted to put that out there of life, wherever you are, that you feel that you are by yourself, but you're not by yourself. Mm -hmm. Your body is designed in a certain way, very similarly to other women. And that's what it is. Again, the more you speak about it, the more you can communicate it, the better you will feel. And as I said in the very beginning about maternal mental health, at any stage, we as women, as a mom handling your own mental health, trying to support your children with their mental health. And I also want to put out there the gay community, LGBTQ+, all these other communities out there that too are going through their stuff you know mm -hmm. what about someone who is transgender mm -hmm. and then decides that they want to have the baby i'm just kind of yes blanking it all yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i think if we return to this understanding like we don't have to suppress our biological wisdom right no. we don't have to suppress our biological experiences and the ebbs and flows as a human with reproductive organs that like yes. that does not have to be suppressed or repressed in any way shape or form when we step into a space where we feel safe and some more supported within a community within our culture to listen to what our bodies are telling us and to hear the messages it has to deliver, right? Whether that is the sadness and sorrow of isolation, mm. mother, which 95%, right, of mothers feel lonely and we're never alone. Like we're never alone, right. we're all yes. needed. Yes. Or whether it's not just isolation, but if it's feeling like somebody else gets what we're experiencing, yes. right? Or Absolutely. being invited to step out of your house and see the sunshine in the morning and know that it's okay if you don't want to get out of bed. And it's okay if you do see the sunshine and go back into bed because it's been a long night and you got one hour of sleep. <laughs> and like, you know, like there's these, these pieces yes. of it that Yes. Oh, when yeah. When the community Absolutely. comes together, it means something. And that can be the same for the queer community as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being able to be yourself. And if that means that you identify as, as they or them and you decide to have a baby biologically or not, that doesn't mm -hmm. matter. You're going to go through that parenthood if you have a child in one way, shape, or form. Absolutely. And experience the, the hormonal connection of birthing your baby is not what causes perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. It's the adjustment. It's the stress that. on your body. Partners, one in 10 partners experience postpartum depression, right? And they're not the ones who carry the baby and birth them. Mm, but it impacts and changes their life. And so I just, I think you're right. It's that education. It's sharing the education and doing what you do on this platform every single week to put this information yeah. out there for a plethora of topics it normalizes information like it normalizes you're not alone right oh, yeah. you're not crazy <laughs> we're here for you there's resources at your fingertip and that creates magic that creates movement oh oh my goodness i want to cry thank you <laughs> yeah no it's true because when you normalize i love that i'm gonna pick that apart that word normalize it means that you're not alone like you said it means that you're not crazy that you need to be validated 
And I think that's all people want. People just want to be validated. Like, okay, I'm dealing with this stuff. And getting back to the practitioners and back to the pregnancy aspect, or even before, those conversations clearly are not happening by the practitioners. You know, so if anyone's watching this and plans on getting pregnant and, and doing whatever you're doing, tap into Dina's world, tap into my world, spread our spread our messages, spread our platforms so that people can get good quality information about education. And that's what you're putting out as far as your platform with education and so, you know, mine as well. I, I wanna talk for a minute also about, of course you're on Apple, you're on Spotify, you're on Google, you're busy. You gotta laugh that one on. I am. <laughs> and you had a parental workshop on, on the 27th. What's on the horizon? What are, what are you gonna be up to? So I just finalized my app, which right. is now out for the public for my mama's club. And I've added another section to that app that will be out next week okay. for the postpartum planning. So to learn all the things you need to learn and prepare for all the things you need and have the resources you need. So that's going to be the big chunk of it. And then I provide coaching services. I serve people in in whatever stage they're at. Sometimes it's mothers who have eight-year-olds and a teenager, and sometimes it's mothers who have 24-year-olds and they're figuring out that transition of their child trying to find their identity in adulthood. Absolutely. And amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. no, no, such yeah. a, yeah, a spectrum. But I love the fact that you focused in on the maternal and the mama club and so forth where people can get information. I thought I have, would you present this to... For an example, um, you know, I'm thinking, and you know, American Medical Association or pediatrics, where your plat, you know, you as a social worker could bring this information. I don't know if you've ever pondered that. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to sit with whoever is open to hearing the the reality of what it feels like. So in Arizona, our public health care is called Access here. And I sat with a whole group of doctors and providers, a health insurance, and shared my story, my wow. story in postpartum and what I do. And it just gives a little hint into understanding of what we need in that season. Because I know not every doctor is going to go through and get certified in perinatal mental health. Mm -hmm. and I think it should be required for OBGYNs yeah. oh, yeah. and pediatricians and <laughs> therapists. But I know there's a thousand things that they have to, they feel like yes. they want to get certified in for yes. all various topics. But just having information of a mother's perspective and a provider's perspective, right? Like yes. I've been on both sides here. And to me, it's unique. I felt the fear of saying my truth because I was a clinician in the field simultaneously. Mm. I felt that like, oh my gosh, how do you go through it and help other people at the same time? And why wasn't I educated in the way I should have been educated as a mom and as a provider? Wow. I wow. felt the gaps of that. So, and I'm not the only one. There's an amazing organization called Postpartum Support International. They're phenomenal. They do trainings to certify people in perinatal mental health. They provide support for parents in the postpartum season and they specialize their support groups are like black mamas indigenous wow. Mamas, wow. partner support groups queer identifying support groups like wow. grief and loss support groups um wow. they're all remote and we're wow. all so let's give a little closure here um dina 
I always end with this little portion. I was answered back in the day when we were doing these podcasts early on, we always had something called a heart to heart. And a heart to heart, of course, it's coming from my heart to your heart. A situation that you have gone through, it could have been something in your life. It could be something presently right now in your profession, what you do is, as a um, social worker and counselor, it could be personal, that has empowered you. I have a ton. I think the one that stands out the most right now is when I learn to quiet the outside world of expectation and perfectionism and people pleasing and like achieving all of those standards that our society really values. When I learned to quiet that and honor the voice that's inside me and actually hear it for the first time in a long time, my life changed. Wow. Life changed. And it was a hard journey to learn to quiet that. But I started being able to recognize what's my truth versus what's other people's truths. And I started being able to trace back my belief systems to specific experiences I've had and make sense of how they developed, and if they serve me today or not. And so I feel like that's what I've been that's that's coming from my heart is oh wow we have wisdom inside us when we trust ourselves and we give ourselves permission permission to quiet well, the societal expectations around us that is beautiful i had chills Thank when you. you were talking yeah <laughs> when did this occur for you was it after you had your child was oh yeah it? this was 2019, I would say, the end of 2019. Uh, and so uh, my son was three years old. Okay, yeah. Took me a while. <laughs> no, that's okay. And then pandemic and it happened and the world blew up. But I think that's beautiful, yeah, to honor yourself. And I hope with platforms like mine and yours and some other great stuff out there that people are now doing that or thinking of themselves first to not worry about others and what society may think. And, you know, and I, I can just get the impression that you were the type of person that is a very much a, of an overachiever, if I'm saying oh, this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can feel it. I'm usually pretty dead on reading people. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. Much. That was like my, my thing. I got my master's degree at the age of 20. Like, that was my thing. <laughs> oh, my God. So I assume that your inner child, you as a kid, you know, that was you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that wasn't me. I came about that later in life, but that was definitely not me. Sibling-wise, are you an only child? Do you have siblings? No, I have one older sister. So you were the younger one. So that's interesting as well, because usually <laughs> it's the first child syndrome that like that. I was the third, so I was just like off doing whatever the hell I thought I was doing. <laughs> still am. But I think that even so, I still like, I agree with you to give closure, to honor yourself and believe in yourself. And I love the fact of quieting because then you can actually really hear what you have to say and not what others yeah. have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so. like the deep permission you learn to give yourself, right? Like, because yeah. if you worry about pleasing people around you, it's hard to feel like you have permission to give yourself permission to not please them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. So having a child sometimes definitely defines you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You got a little guy. Just wait. Let me say, just wait. 
just wait as they evolve and change. But you, you know, you evolve and change too with them, and you yeah. are not the person. You morph and change, so your your thought processes do change as compared to when they were first born in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you absolutely. Do. And yeah, that's that that piece of matrescence. I wrote a poem, and I put it on YouTube. Actually, it's like a five minute poem, and it starts out with "When I birthed you." I birthed myself. As I raise you, I'm raising myself, right? Like I am literally coming in to my next version of myself. And oh my gosh. that's so true in motherhood, right? Wow. Wow. Oh my God. It's really, really, really beautiful. Gina, you are so cool. For those people out there, we are going to do a women empowerment collaboration. Gina, yes. Talk about that in the next months. A great topic, really, about maternal mental health. But as we said today, it really encompasses not just one sect of the population. It really affects so many different people in the nurturing aspect of bringing a child into the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it's been such an honor to share this space with you. Oh. Thank you for the invitation to join you. Oh, you're so welcome. And I'm excited to collaborate together. We are going to collaborate. You have a restful evening, Dina. We'll speak soon. Thanks, everybody, for joining. And I'll talk to you guys. Bye. Thank you all. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Please check out my episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and weekly Instagram lives where I am honored with talented, exceptional guests. Can't wait to see you all there.